and he was discussing all of his great wines that were part of this wine cellar. And uh, he said, as a matter of fact, uh, you know, the finest wine we have is a Lafitte Rothschild. Uh, I think it was worth ten or fifteen thousand dollars. Eighteen seventy. Eighteen seventy. Yeah, Rothschild. And um, and I said something like, uh, Ted, when are you going to open that? And he looked at me and he said, What you you can't even find your golf ball? He said, When you lose it. He says, I'll tell you what, I'll open that bottle when you get Bin Laden. Oh, he set me up. <laughs> <laughs> he set me up. I'm actually... Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Golfer's Journal podcast presented by Titleist, the number one ball in golf. My name's Tom Coyne senior editor at the Golfer's Journal. And hey, I want to kick things off by thanking everyone who was a part of our recent event at Gerhardt in Yonder, Oregon. One of my favorite golfing getaways, retreats, if you will, on the planet, really, between Gerhardt and the Highland Links. And it's just, man, that is just right up my alley. So I hope everyone had a blast. I hated to miss it. I had some other stuff going on that I might mention. But what I want to talk about is the folks who were there, namely our own Casey Bannon with the Golfer's Journal van. Now, to get the van from HQ in Southern California up to Oregon, Casey selflessly volunteering to pilot said van. And she's a beauty. If you haven't seen her in person, make sure you get to one of our events to, uh, to see these wheels for yourself. But Casey, on his way up, uh, decides to take a little stop and, you know, you could stop anywhere, California, big state. Well, let's just pop into uh, in Monterey and see if we can make any friends there. And wouldn't you know it, he certainly did. I mean, we'll give the van some credit. It does draw a crowd. But he somehow, Casey somehow found himself in the wine cellar of the world-famous Sardine Factory restaurant in Monterey. Hanging out with owner Ted Balistrieri and his good friend, former CIA director, White House chief of staff, secretary of defense, slash, 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 Leon Panetta. You've seen on TV numerous times in different capacities. So while some of us were away in Philadelphia trying to sell a book or two, Casey was scoring the meal of his life and maybe the conversation of his life as well with Ted, who's... Sardine Factory has hosted every luminary, golf and otherwise, to come through Monterey for the last 50-plus years. So it's certainly a golf story, but it there's an interesting story here that starts on the golf course when Ted of the Sardine Factory bets his friend, Leon Panetta, the most expensive bottle of wine in the restaurant that he won't find Bin Laden during his tenure as head of the CIA, and it starts with him saying, hey, you can't even find your golf ball. How the hell are you going to find bin Laden? And from there, trash-talking ensues. A wager is made, and uh, and Leon collects on, on a very fine vintage, a very expensive one as well. Not bad, young man. So enjoy the listen. There's a lot to take in here, uh, not least of which is that our young Casey is in a large black van 
uh, ended up in this wine cellar in wrinkled khakis. The image of that, I, uh, I don't know. I, I think it's absolutely perfect. And of course, you know, they come out sounding like besties, which is just awesome. I mean, you never know the magic that is going to come when the, uh, when the van rolls into town. So not a huge surprise. Uh, I mentioned where I was last week. We were launching a course called America. So a lot of you were there. Thank you. Or were following along on, on the socials. So really, uh, really appreciate that. We raised a lot of money for the Caddy Scholarship here in Philadelphia. And a huge thanks to a partner in doing that, Titleist. Uh, they were there with the new drivers doing a long drive contest. Um, I mean, folks were... We had it set up on a fir- on the first tee in the morning, and folks got to try out the new TSI, and people were touching 300 yards, folks who had never dreamt of those distances before, which was kind of cool to watch. And then we had a late-night wedge contest with a big bag of Vokies, uh, where even our glow balls were getting a little bit of spin um, as we launched them, lofted them into the evening sky. Um, everyone got some new Pro V1s to take home as well, so... Let's remember that those new Pro V1s and new Pro V1Xs, they've been reimagined from core to cover for longer distance, softer feel, and even more greenside control. So huge shout out to Titleist for an awesome day. And hey, by the way, Golfer's Journal 16, it is on the way, shipped, officially shipped. So some of you may be looking at it as as, as you listen, uh, and I hope you are because I think it's got... You love all the covers, right? But this has got to be, I don't know, it's my favorite cover in quite a while. So subscribe, make sure you renew so that you don't miss this one. This is one you're going to want to put on the top of the coffee table pile. Uh, It just looks really, really cool. And I've got a story in there, if I may toot one's own horn, uh, about a golf course that Charles Blair McDonald once called to a crowded room, announced that this was the finest golf course in America this particular golf course. And I can almost guarantee that aside from a very select group of folks, uh, you've never heard of the place. So you want to check into number 16 for that. So subscribe, resubscribe, do all that good stuff. So back to the van, because that's, that's at the end of the day, that's where it all begins and where it all ends. It's going to be rolling for Chambers Bay on June 11th and down to Sand Valley on July 4th. So more great events. If you missed out on Gerhardt, more great events uh, on the way. I'm going to make Sand Valley for July 4th. Shane Bacon is also going to be in the house for that one. Uh, a very wholesome weekend of golf and America in the Middle West. So come join us for that. Thanks to our sponsors as well. Titleist, Link Soul, Footjoy, Oakley, Links and Kings, and Scotty Cameron. And now, let's put out the fine linen. Maybe polish the silver. Maybe pour something expensive into something crystal and feel yourself transported to a cannery row oh so unlike anything you've read in a Steinbeck novel. Alongside some storytellers whose life adventures sound like the rarest of fictions. Bubba can stay. stay. I want to tell you, in all the FBI pictures, the CIA pictures of the hall, Leon's the only one with his dog. It's <laughs> true. I've been on that hallway. I got the I got Did the tour once. Yeah, I didn't. I don't remember the the mural. Well, yeah, see him with, with Bubba. The, he yeah, he's right in the, you know that portrait hall. Yeah. Everybody yeah, said, "There's right. Bubba. Who's the guy?" <laughs> <laughs> Bravo. That's right. Bravo. That's right. It was Bravo. Okay. Um, 
Well, Ted, uh, am I allowed to talk, call you Ted? Sure. Balistrieri? Right. Yeah. Uh, Leon, thank you, first of all, for having us in uh, this beautiful wine cellar. We'll get to that. Uh, I know there are stories hidden between these bottles of wine down here. I can feel them. Uh, it's like standing on this, the wine equivalent to the seventh hole at Pebble, I'm sure. Right. Um, but, you know, full disclosure, this is my first time in Monterey. Um, so you and I are sort of on opposite ends of the spectrum, right? Uh, you came here when it was a much different cannery row, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, speaking of sort of funny feelings, I mean, I've seen enough golf shots on television. I've read the Steinbeck novels. I've seen the, the Eastwood films to, to feel like I know a place. Um, but how does it feel for you, you know, 52 years later, to have this place, the, you know, the sardine factory and everything you built be referred to as world famous. How does that make you feel? Well, I tell you, it was a labor of love. You know, we have a lot of companies, hotels and other things, real estate. But the sardine factory is the ship that launched a thousand ships. My partner, Bert, myself, were college roommates. And we had a dream, an American dream. Leon was... Uh, going to Santa Clara. He became a lawyer. Uh, uh, his father was in the restaurant business, I'll tell you that. The only reason he's successful is because he worked at a restaurant as a dishwasher. A character. <laughs> <laughs> his, his father knew how to trade him. And so we all were kind of, we all had a dream, a very good dream. And, and uh, we opened up October 2nd, 1968. We had about 960 bucks uh, my partner, Bert, myself, uh, we had a dream. Uh, and we didn't know if anybody was going to come through the doors. It was a condemned building. It was on the wrong side of the tracks. It was uh, We had to use an old uh, milk uh, truck as a walking box because we didn't have any money. But we had a passion to please you know, customers. We loved the industry. And the doors opened up and it just took off and never stopped. Mm. I, I remember reading a quote. I read a quote from uh, from your wife actually about the night before you opened, October first, nineteen sixty eight, and and you said something to the effect of, uh, "I wonder if anyone will show up tomorrow." That's right. Uh, what if you if I were to take you back then to, to October first, what would your idea of a su successful for this place would have been? Because uh, I'm imagining it doesn't involve statues and uh, no, no, things I, around. No, it, it was just. Just have people come in. We turned the we actually we just turned the lights on as a dry run to see. But every the word was out in the community, and before you know it, before the night was over, the bar was packed. <laughs> and of course, drinks I think was seventy five cents in those days, you know. Mm -hmm. And it was a it was a different atmosphere in Monterey. Canary Row was a place it was the wrong side of the tracks. Mm. And uh, when Leon and myself were growing up, there was all canneries out here, all fishing. And I lived in New York. My partner's family was in the fishing industry. And and uh, so see Canary Row evolve. First it went way down, mm -hmm. and then it came way up, and now it's the number one destination in Central California. And it seems like, just from an outsider that hasn't spent much time here, you didn't do it with much other than really good food and good service. Is Hospitality. That true? We had a say. If we made you feel at home, we made a million-dollar mistake. Our job was to make you feel better at home, or why would you go out? <laughs> and that's what it was all about. We never advertised home-cooked meals. If we can't do a better job than that, we get it.
I'm going to have to check the prices on the menu if that was a mistake. We have a, we, I used to sell people come in, they said, we want a table with a view. I said, we have a table just for you. Overlook at the prices. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess to that effect, Leon, how uh, can you, you know, compare You're You're from here. You've seen both sides, as he said, of the tracks. How do they compare from, you know, 52 years ago? Well, there's been a lot of change, but, uh, you know, I was I was born here in Monterey, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the Monterey that I remember uh, during the war years was different because my dad had a restaurant in downtown Monterey, mm-hmm. uh, and Ted's right. Uh, my earliest recollections were sitting on a chair in the back of that restaurant washing glasses. Uh, <laughs> I've said my parents believed in child labor, and uh, that was true. Um, but uh, downtown Monterey was uh, was a jumping place because, you know, they were catching sardines uh, in the bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cannery Row was uh, going crazy over here. It was canning the fish that the fishermen were collecting. Their wives were involved in the canneries. And downtown Monterey had a bunch of uh, soldiers who were being trained at Fort Ord for the battlefields of World War II. Uh, so there was a lot, lot going on mm. in those days, mm. uh, and uh, obviously, you know, when the war ended uh, and the sardines went away, uh, Monterey had to adapt. And thanks to people like Ted, because of their innovation uh, and creativity and entrepreneurship, uh, they they had a vision that, you know, you could take Cannery Row, which was you know, there were nothing but depleted canneries here some had burned down it was it was horrible they had a vision that you could take cannery row and really rebuild it into a great tourist attraction and their dream came true because they worked at it uh and they made it happen Mm. and what is it like to see to come back now and enjoy the i guess the the fruits of that innovation (laughs) all these years later because this is as you said this is your home you know and oh yeah no uh, this this is my home and very frankly i've never left my home mm. even even during the time when i was in washington uh i i would come back home um my wife ran my offices uh, when i was in congress uh and uh, she was with me when i was uh, chief of staff to the president uh and when i went back to be a cia director and secretary of defense she carried on the work at the Panetta Institute. So this has always been home mm-hmm. for me. And um, I think what has happened with Cannery Row, what has happened here with the Sardine Factory, other restaurants, with the, with the uh, uh, aquarium uh, that is a, a big attraction here mm-hmm. on Cannery Row, um, this has really become a tremendous tourist attraction uh, because for people that don't have a lot of money to go to Hawaii or take uh, long trips, if they can get a, in a car, come down here to Monterey, uh, between Cannery Row and Pebble Beach and Carmel and Monterey, mm-hmm. they have some tremendous attractions. Yeah. And that's what Ted lives off of, <laughs> is uh, that tourist trade. You gotta know that Leon and Sylvia are truly the first family of of the Monterey Peninsula. The first family. Everybody has the first family. It's <laughs> Leon and Sylvia, the, truly the first family. Uh, we're so proud of them all. They have accomplished both of them. That's right. In their own right, each one. And, uh, uh, you know, every every place has a family. They say it was the first family. Mm-hmm. Well, the first family of the Monterey Peninsula is this 
Sylvia and Leah. Well, I'm glad you cleared that up for the East Coasters because there's a, there's a there's a growing sentiment that it's the Nances, and uh, I don't. Oh, Nance. Yeah. Jim, well, Jim Nance. Now you're that's you're microwing it. You're you're microwing it a little bit to golf. Yes. Yes. This is a little broader picture. Yes. Just a little bit more. Oh yeah. Jim well, Nance. Well, Jim Nance is quite a guy. Well, he I did loved, find it. Matter of fact, he's down here all the time. Yeah, I found yeah. it. He's got a he's got a uh, uh, a wine cellar there. Um, With Jim Nance every year holds a party down here with all the celebrities and golfers, Mickelson, you name it. They're all down here every year. And uh, we are honored to have him. He's been a great supporter of Pebble Beach, the ATT, and all golf. But I have to say the most famous of all was Leon, the bet of the century. The bet of the century. <laughs> I, I Nobody wanna... could have topped out. We had Rush Limbaugh down. <laughs> you name we had past presidents. But Leon, he... Cap the ball. So really, uh, I'm gonna put a I'm gonna put a cliff a brief cliffhanger on that because I just have a few more questions before you okay. you tell me that one, and and it and it segues nicely into it. But after 52 years, I can't imagine the amount of faces and just stories and nights that have come through not only this this wine cellar, um, but but upstairs above. Are there do they blur together? Do they are there a few that stick out immediately? There's always a few. We have. During the ATT years ago, a lot of celebrities used to come here. We'd have like uh, uh, four or five celebrities in the wine cellar uh, and, uh, you know, like guys like, uh, what's his name, drives the cars, uh, makes the salad dressing. I can't Paul Newman. Paul Newman. I was going to say Guy Fieri. Yeah. But, and all we have, all, we have maybe four or five, you know, and, and Merv Griffin used to come. Clint Eastwood is always down here having dinner with all of us. I mean, there's so, there's so many celebrities. We had a problem because when you have five or six celebrities in a room, all the tourists come at, and they have a table. <laughs> Wait, I have to say... Can you imagine who calls him his roommate in Congress? His roommate in Congress interrupted this company. He knows wherever I'm at. So, so, so anyway. He knows you're going to get into the good Marty stories. This is Russo, yeah. his roommate in, when he was in Congress. But uh, they don't get up. They, all of a sudden they see like a Lear or a Clinton, and they'll have a three or four cups of coffee. You can't turn the tables. They don't want to leave. As long as so we have to put all the celebrities in the back of the restaurant all together so the front turns over. But, uh, oh, it's been enormous. My partner was, I have to give him a lot of credit. He's a, a wonderful individual, and he, and he uh, was a great chef and does food. But he loved old-time movies. He could have someone come in here like Ruth Busby and... and all these old actors and he'd spot them right away yeah. he loved old time movies and he remembered all the actors and whatnot. and uh, so we enjoyed it you know I tell you of all of, we have 20 companies now but the siding factory is the thing we enjoyed the most mm. you worked the door people thanked you Can I, nobody comes in your office when you have all these corporations oh great job Ted let me take you to lunch today <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't happen but but when you work in the front door of a restaurant, people are all appreciative. Thank you. And, and you have that human reaction. Mm. You got to remember, fine dining is the last bastion of civility left in this country. Mm. And why do you say that? Because we're losing it. People don't dine like they used to. When Mr. Panetta and Sylvia would come in, we allowed two, two and a half hours for dinner. You have your cocktails, you talk. Today, people eat. 
They mm -hmm. don't die. Mm -hmm. They want to get in and out in an hour. And, uh, and they watch their cell phone. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have this thing. They don't live by this, you know. Mm. And uh, so I hope it comes back. I think our young kids there are losing the fine dining experience. We used to have a shirt and tie and the white gloves. And, you know, that, that's kind of dissipated over the years. Well, Leon remembers it. Yeah, well, a lot of it's time, you know. As you mentioned, you had you 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 budgeted two and a half hours, and it was an event, you know. It was... People want to play you, golf faster. You, you, People want to eat die. faster. Everything yeah. is fast. Everything is faster today. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're losing. The number one thing is loneliness in this world. People need interaction and friendships. And uh, everything is computer. They, they, everything's online. You know, you lose that human reaction. And uh, that's why we always love the starting factor. It's the last passion of fine dining. It is. And this... this uh this wine cellar is, is is the last, maybe the last bastion of uh, great private well, this, storytelling. This, this but... is the only place in the world that I know of where we match the music, food, and wine all in concert. Mm. Like when you come down here, when they come down for dinner, we start off with Vivaldi. Makes you fun, you know. Then when the sauces get heavier, we go into Beethoven and Bach, if it's a real heavy sauce. And then we add something light at the end. It depends if it's... Like Leon, he likes opera Italian. We might have a Pavarotti or something like that. And then we match the wine, food, and music all in concert. We we announce each piece with each course. And that's dining. That's not that's eating. That's elegant dining. That is elegant dining at its finest. So tell me, uh, and, and uh, this will probably lead into the better the century, but the development of this wine cellar, how it came about. and Roy and Mia Hamlet, all of these bricks uh, come from the old kilns. Mm. of the cannery row, the boilers. And then we, and this wood, this tree was befallen in Big Sur over hundreds and hundreds of years. We got the, the the rights to slice it, all the redwood all in this building. A fellow by the name of Roy and me, Hamlin, decorated it. And we had the number one sommelier in the world, which opened the wine for Leon, Fred Dane. It's his plaque here. And he created this great wine list. And my partner and myself were fortunate to have some great sommeliers and managers and chefs all contribute to this greatness. It's a lot of success for a lot of young people. Mm. How, many how many bottles down here now? Well, anywhere. I think at a peak we had 35,000, 40,000. Wow. Know, this last year we tried to run the inventory. Not too many people came in this last year. We were closed almost the whole year. <laughs> sure, sure. So when does this friendship transition to the golf course and how does that lead us although the, this bet of the century starts down here correct right but we play golf every once in a while and you know this Ben lines loose and i'm playing golf with him and he sometimes he loses golf while he goes to look for it i said leon how are you going to find bed line when you can't even find your golf ball he said yeah. that many a time. <laughs> so it wasn't the first one that pushed hey, you over hey, the edge, huh? Hey, so I had to eat a lot of crow. Mm. I had to eat a lot of crow, believe mm -hmm. me. <laughs> so take me back. It's down here. It's New Year's. New Year's Eve. New right Year's here. Eve. Go Leon, ahead, and, and what exactly? Take me through it. Well, we uh, Ted and uh, his wife, Velma, uh, used to host a New Year's Eve party uh, every New Year's Eve. And it was here in the wine cellar mm -hmm. uh, in those days. And, um, you know, my, my wife and I were here and uh, we were enjoying, uh, you know, tremendous company and uh, we were having drinks before and then we sat down and Ted got up and uh, 
you know, kind of his usual shtick is to say a few words, uh, you know, about New Year's Eve. And sometimes we used to always go around and say what we wanted for the New Year's, but he started it. And, um, and he was discussing all of his great wines that were part of this wine cellar. And uh, he said, as a matter of fact, uh, you know, the finest wine we have is a Lafitte Rothschild. Uh, I think it was worth ten or fifteen thousand dollars. Eighteen seventy. Eighteen seventy. Rothschild. Yeah, Rothschild. And um, and I said something like, uh, Ted, when are you going to open that? And he looked at me and he said, What you? You can't even find your golf ball, he said, when you lose it. He says, I'll tell you what. I'll open that bottle when you get Bin Laden. Oh, uh, he set me up. <laughs> he set me up. I, actually, I said, I love you like a brother, but not that much. <laughs> the, real story, the real story is that we had, been, we had been uh, looking for Bin Laden and... Mm. Uh, actually found this this compound where he was located. We didn't know for sure whether he was there, but we had pretty good, you know, we were we were doing surveillance on it 24-7 every day. Sure. To try to see what, you know, whether it was Bin Laden. And we had been, we found that in August of that prior year. And so for six months we had been doing surveillance. So when it came to New Year's Eve and Ted challenged me You're about feeling pretty good. Bin Laden <laughs> Uh, we, we were feeling pretty good. And, and I, I looked at him and I said, I said, you're on. No, wait, wait. Do Go ahead. The way you did it. He got up and said, you're on. And Sylvia knew something was wrong right there. But she, I didn't know anything about that. But what I saw was, it's a glint in Leon's eye. And his eyes slanted. And it wasn't a smile of laughter. It was a smile of intensity. It was like, you're on. You're on. <laughs> It just came naturally. Miss yeah. <laughs> Panetta knew what time it was. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we and so we you know we we enjoyed the the rest of the dinner and uh, uh, and then uh, you know we were continuing to work in Washington and we finally had put together the operations to go after Bin Laden uh, and we were targeting for around May first uh, to do that. Uh, so uh, the operation goes on. We track it. Obviously, we're successful at getting bin Laden. Uh, and then we go down to the White House. And while we're at the White House, uh, the president, of course, is going to make the announcement. Mm. So I grabbed a phone and I called uh, my wife, Sylvia. And I said, uh, Sylvia, I said, call Ted. Because even she didn't know about the bin Laden raid because it was a uh, secret. Mm. But I said, uh, call Ted. And... Tell him to watch television tonight. The president's going to give us, uh, make an announcement. And then tell him that he owes me a bottle of wine. Well, what she said was, though, Leon, she says, first of all, I'm, I'm sitting with the, one of the head guys at GE at the country club, and the phone's ringing. I don't answer the phone while I'm having dinner. So I go to the restroom, and Sylvie says, Leon, was getting off. Get your wine open already. I said, what the hell is she talking about? Get my wine. It's five months later. I don't know what she... She says, go home and turn the TV on. I said, that son of a bitch set me up. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So... <laughs> he said, call Ted and tell him to get ready to open the bottle. Yeah. 
So I did, and I left a voicemail message because it was out to dinner Sunday night. And then about an hour later or so, the phone rings. I answer it. This is after the president's announcement. Okay. And I answer it, and there was silence. And I said, hello? Hello? And then I hear, the son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Silence. And then again, the son of a bitch. More silence. Everything started out in doubles. After some silence, I hear Ted saying, oh, all right. I'll open it. (laughs) Bang. (laughs) That was the greatest (laughs) bottle of wine in the world. And I couldn't be more thrilled. So we bring 75 people in. The CIA made shot glasses. We bought the number one sommelier in the world. We had Nanyaki because it was one of his favorite food. We had some great wines from Italy because he's Italian. We had the great wines from Carmel Valley because of Carmel Valley. We had great wines from California. because, And it was a night you'll never want to forget. It was one of the greatest celebrations mm. and the greatest bet. If anything you want to pay off, that's the kind of bet you want to pay off. I was going to say, how did that, how did that was, taste? I was so proud of him and Sylvia <laughs> that, uh, you know, what can you do? That's why they're not only the first, they should be the first family of America, mm. but uh, we're the fortunate ones to have them here. Mm. And the wine? Wine, well, we had, I got to remember, it? it was 70-something people. Right. So, so we you had to had get one of those, like, little bases, a little shot yeah. glasses, everybody. But then we actually had some Lafitte's and some fine wines. Oh, yeah, and, but don't you remember what you did with that bottle of wine? You ordered from the CIA the shot glass, the yeah. shot glass, and we put it all in a shot glass for everybody to have a shot. She's right. Yeah, I, I mean, that. it was a, a whole ceremony. It was you saw how many glasses on the table. Yeah. We're lucky we're here. They had a lot of very good wine. Yeah, we're lucky we're was here, here too. <laughs> so I, I have to tell you, there were some of the some of the wines they had there were probably better than was <laughs> fifty thousand dollars of wine. Yeah, I mean, some of the great champagnes, wines, Macedo from Italy. You know, we had them all. Well, yeah. I imagine I imagine it tastes a little bittersweet. And even we had yeah. restaurant guys like Tony from New York to fly in and whatnot. And we had people from all over the country ahead of the National Restaurant. So, and he wanted to make sure his New Yorkie was just right. You know, oh my God, God forbid it was wrong. Mm. Mm. <laughs> He's a little fussy when it comes to Italian food. <laughs> what what Ted d- doesn't want to tell you is that. Uh, it was reported in the newspaper oh. that uh, we had had this bet mm-hmm. of the century uh, and what had happened. And Ted began to get nervous because, you know, he figured, you know, because we had gotten bin Laden, they were probably, you know, thinking about coming after me and coming after others. But then he thought, they might want to come after me too because <laughs> I was involved in this. It's the first time I sat next to him in five years. <laughs> so, so, t- so tell him what you told Belma one morning. Oh, yeah. So I'm just kidding. You know, my wife, I said, you know, all this publicity. So what the hell? And this is true. We took New Year's Eve from here. We moved to different places. I, I don't want him to, you know. And I'm sitting across the way from him, you know. And... Uh, so one day, my I get this this press in the paper, you should do better this century. I said, sweetheart, I'm a little hurried this morning. Would you do me a favor? Would you start the car? <laughs> <laughs> and my wife says, what? You run? No, I was only kidding you. I've Wait. seen Goodfellas. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. Uh, so anyway. Uh, <laughs> You've uh, seen that scene. Yes. Sylvia and Velma were wonderful. And, and we did move it around. We moved it in Continental. We did move it around for a while. 
and uh, it's got it actually outgrew this area. But you know, it was a little bit. It was in every paper in the world, for Christ's sake. You know. Yeah, it was. And and uh, well, I'm glad that you you uh, feel comfortable sitting uh, next to him now. After who said who said I felt comfortable? <laughs> yeah, well, sitting that's a good next point. To him. That's right. <laughs> 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 who said I feel? He, uh, he didn't tell you that, about that's the de- He didn't tell you about the detail that's out there waiting protecting us. <laughs> I did. I did notice someone following the Golfer's Journal van uh, closely, oh, yeah. but um, no, I, I can't thank both of you uh, enough for your time and your and your stories and and the laughs. I just have one more question uh, for you, Ted, which is I, uh, another thing I read, but and I thought it was so brilliant. It was very so very simple though. Your your secret ingredient, um, love, love. Why is that? Why do you feel so strongly about that? You know, when you love what you do, you never look at a clock. You never look at anything. You just love what you're doing. And uh, it's the most important ingredient in the food, in the service, in the restaurant. If you love a place, you take care of it. If you love the customers, you take care of it. You know, I have a partner that's been wonderful. He's a wonderful guy. Uh, I was hoping he's here. Uh, uh, Partners for 52 years, dedicated. The staffs were dedicated. The most important ingredient in everything. You put love into anything, it'll come out right. Mm. Mm. There's no compromise for love. Mm. And you're in here, on that note, you told me you're still in here every day. No, not me. Bird is. My oh, Bird is. Yeah. I have to give him the credit, but I'm more in the office. But I worked the front door here for about 25, 30 years. Yeah. I loved it. I miss it. Mm. We're in the hospitality business. It's wonderful. Mm. It's the greatest industry in the world. Mm. Just, you know, you please people every night. I mean, Yes. No, I, you could have turned out to be a politician or a lawyer. <laughs> God help us. Yeah. He, he went out to tra- he went out to to get him, and I fed him. <laughs> well, uh, and what did they always ask for? What was the most important thing we had before he got finished with him? The last meal. They had to come to me. Yeah. <laughs>